Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online service. Our theme for this year is Plus One, which encourages us to invite someone to join us in worship and fellowship. Our mission statement is simple. It's loving God, loving people, and loving life. We hope that this message will serve as a source of inspiration and encouragement for you. Each episode, we will explore different aspects of our faith, share stories of hope and healing, and discuss ways we can make a positive impact in our community and the world. So whether you're a longtime member of our church or just tuning in for the first time, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Let's make 2023 a year of growth, both for ourselves and for those around us. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Again, how many of you are glad to be in church this morning? Yeah. Amen. Hey, you don't mind if I get a little comfortable, do you? You know, I, I had my jacket on, but man, I was warm. And I don't know, you know, this may be too, too much information for you all, but you ever had that feeling where it's just like, did I put deodorant on this morning? It's like, wow. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> so, anyways, if you shake my hand and something smells funny, it's my wife. It's not me, all right? So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I decided to blame it on somebody. Anyways, hey, <laughs> we're glad that you're here. Just, uh, again, so thankful just to be able to do life with you. Life was meant to have fun, and life was meant to do together. And, and uh, we're better together. Did you not know that? I said, we're better together. So, again, thank you for just uh, spending your morning with us. We're so thankful. We count it an honor that you took your time to come and share with us or, or share yourself with us this morning. And here's one of the things, you know, uh, maybe some of you are new to GVC. Some of you have maybe been around a while. Uh, again, you know, there's times that things uh, come and go in church and uh, rough patches happen. And, and I'm telling you what, you know, just over the last uh, few months, man, we, we hit a rough patch. And just as a pastor... Uh, I'm just letting you know, man, it kind of, it was like a gut punch to me, kind of knocked the wind out of you a little bit. It's like, dear God. But listen, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I just know about God is that God's faithful and uh, I will not quit and I can't be defeated. Praise God. So therefore we're, we're back in the game. Amen. Got my, got my second win, got my fighting stance again and just ready to go at it. And so uh, this year is going to be an amazing year. God's turning some things around. This, this church is full of God's people, right? Front to back, side to side, multiple services, running over, having all of our needs met. God's doing amazing things in our lives and in your lives. So again, you're in the right place at the right time. And so good things are about to happen and are happening. Amen. Do you believe that? So praise God, it's, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. So, hey, we started a new series last week, and so we're going to continue with that. And if you remember what it was called, we said it was the 101 at the 911. And I thought it was such a hip, cool title, and, and nobody even blinked an eye. And my wife, she asked me that. She goes, what did you minister? Because she did kids ministry last week, you know. Uh, she filled in. And she said, what did you minister on? I said, I ministered on the 101 at the 911. She said, what is that? And I said, come on. I said, what's, what's 101 mean? And she goes, I don't know. She goes, 101? I'm like, no, what's 101 mean? And, and I said, you know, it means the basics. It means foundational. It means beginnings, you know, like English 101. I said, well, what does 911 mean? And she goes, um, emergency? I'm like, yes, emergency. <laughs> so in the church, we are in, the, uh, in, in, in crisis mode, if you will, or the foundations are at a place of emergency. 
And so the church is at a place where we need to understand the foundations and the basics of what it means to be a child of God, to, to walk with Jesus. And, and one of those things that uh, I've come to know over the years is that uh, uh, things begin to leak. Uh, meaning that uh, things that we thought we were uh, proficient in, if we don't stay steady with it, we leak. Amen? And I grew up in an era where, you know, we went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, went to church on Wednesday night, you know, had special meetings where guest ministers came in. And so uh, a church was a part of the culture of your life. It wasn't one of those things where it was optional, it was necessary, Right? In fact, for me growing up, it was mandatory. <laughs> you know, uh, my, my parents were, were gracious to kind of give me some rope to hang myself with at times when I was a teenager. And so I had a curfew that was, you know, kind of late. And so my dad always said to me, he says, I don't care how late you get in. He says, you can get in late. He said, but you're going to church in the morning. And I'm like, okay. And that all sounded good, you know, the night of, you know, and then Sunday morning is like, hey, whoa, wait a minute, I'm kind of tired. I don't care. Get yourself up. You're going to church, right? So that was just always a staple of life. Well, today's culture, the culture that we've been raising or that we've seen in recent generations, church and really a Christian foundation is not the norm of our life. Amen. Now, again, when we think about it, there's a lot of individuals that say, well, we are Christians because we believe in God. But how many of you know that Satan believes in God? And Satan's not in heaven, nor will he ever be. So just believing in God does not make you a Christian. It just makes you a believer in God. It doesn't mean that you receive Christ into your life and that you become a Christian and, in, and are, are now living for Jesus. And so we really want to get down to the basics because that's where the victory is. That's where the success of life is, is in the foundations, right? I mean, think about it for that matter. When you're in elementary school, what's the one thing? Like when it comes to math, do you remember doing your times tables? I mean, you would come into math class and it was like the routine and it was the customary thing where you constantly did your times tables and you did 2 plus 2 equals 4 and 5 minus 3 is 2. and You just did the simple things so that way they were secondary to you. That way you didn't have to give thought to it, right? You remember those multiplication tests where, you know, you had 60 seconds to do like a, 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 a hundred multiplication problems or whatever the timing was, you know. You had to be lickety split. You didn't have time to think about it. You just had to know by sight this is the answer and that's what God wants us to do that the foundations of walking with Jesus are so ingrained in us that whatever comes our way we know the answer and if anything else if you don't know the answers of the if ands what's or what's or whatever else you know that the answer is this I'm victorious in Jesus I don't know how don't know where don't know but I know that I'm victorious in Jesus amen and it don't matter what it looks like I win Amen. And one thing that you'll know about me, if we play a game together, we don't play till the, the game ends. We play until I win. All right? That's how I play. <laughs> My wife says that's so true. Yeah, see, listen, I don't like to lose. And when it comes to walking with Jesus, I don't like to lose against the enemy. Amen. And so we're going to keep on going at it toe-to-toe -to -toe until I have the victory and that the victory is in sight. Praise God. So we're talking about the basics. Amen. Now, if you don't know uh, the basics of just who Jesus is, Jesus is coming soon. 
I said, Jesus is coming soon. He already came once to die on the cross, but he said, I'm coming again, and I'm going to come and get my church. And so Jesus is coming very soon. But now here's one of the things that God said, or that the, the, the Word of God tells us concerning Jesus' return. Now, why is this necessary to know? Because you need to be walking with Jesus when Jesus comes. And you need to be ready for Jesus when Jesus comes. And one of the things that God said is that the days in which you live when Jesus comes will be like the days of Noah. And so, if you recall, the Bible says for 120 years, Noah was preaching righteousness or saying, you need to get right with God because judgment is coming. Right? And so therefore, for 120 years, they had opportunity to respond to what was coming. And God says, the time is going to be as in the days of Noah. And really what he was talking about is that the hearts of people are going to be wicked. To where even the children are wicked. Amen. Now what does that mean? That means that every expression of immorality or just again people living after the flesh and after the desires of the flesh you know I was talking with a young lady oh it was it was a few years back and and we were having a conversation just about homosexuality and all those kind of conversations that seem to be prevalent in the headlines you know and and I, how many just before I get off on talking about that how many of you know that God loves homosexual people how many of you know that we, the church, love homosexual people? We don't hate them. We don't despise them. We don't shun them. We want them to be a part of our church even. But here's the thing. God has a standard, and so therefore we adhere to the standard of what the Word of God says concerning marriage and relationships between man and a woman. But that doesn't mean that we don't love people. Again, just so that you know as we talk about this, right? But now she says to me, she said, I've got a gay friend, and she said he knew that he was gay at the age of three. And I said, that's impossible. Now, just for the sake of argument here, again, the way that our culture is, people are starting to identify with things at a younger, younger age, Right? And here there's this young guy that says, well, I knew that I was gay since I was three years old. Well, that's just impossible, and we won't go into all the details of that. But once again, you just see that concerning the hour that we're living in, the culture, the seasons of the time are growing more wicked as the days go on. We're living in those days, and God said that when you see this, actually Jesus said it in Matthew's gospel, he said, when you see these days, look for me because I'm coming real soon. How many of you are eagerly awaiting his coming? I'm telling you what, I'm excited for Jesus to come. I mean, I, I'm almost, well not almost, I am homesick saying, man, come Jesus, come quick. And my daughter's like, no, I want to get married, I want to have, you know. I understand that, if you remember back when you were, when you were that age. But once again... The Bible says that during that time of Noah's time, he was a preacher of righteousness. Meaning, have a right relationship with God. That's the basics. Let me draw your attention to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 7. says, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't, so don't you think God will surely give justice 
to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Notice he said when Jesus comes, he's bringing justice to those that are crying out. And those of us that have, have, have a heart for God in this hour, like, God, send justice. Send your love. Let us reach people. Come quickly because, God, we want to see you come. Amen. And he says, now, when I do come, how many people, how many of my people will be people of faith? How many people will be people of faith when I come? Or we could say it this way, by reason of the question... What it implies is that in the season that God or that Jesus comes, there is going to be a battle against your faith or your life of faith. How many of you have ever recognized that, man, living for Jesus in these days is, is, is difficult or it can be challenging, right? I mean, our faith is being challenged every single day, right? And so it implies that when Jesus comes, he says, well, I find faith because there's going to be a battle for your faith. But will you be standing strong? Will you be standing on the foundation of the 101 principles in the time of 911 in the time when it's a time of emergency? Will you be standing on the foundation of the basics? Amen. As we saw there in that scripture, as we see Jesus return, his return getting closer, the Bible says that he is bringing justice to his church, but he's also bringing judgment to the world or those that have rejected him. He said, as in the days of Noah, that's what it will look like when I come. So once again, he's bringing justice to those that are righteous before him or that are walking with him. And he's bringing judgment to those that have rejected him. Amen? And so the question is, is where do we stand? Are we standing on the side of receiving his return? Or are we standing on the side of where we have rejected what he's wanted to do? Now, if you think about it, in regards to the days of Noah, the Bible said that sin had abounded or had grown so much in the earth that God had to respond to the sin. And when he came and responded to the sin, how did it look? The whole earth was flooded, right? But the reality is, is that the whole earth was not only flooded with his judgment, it was flooded with his justice to continue to build his family that would be righteous. Well, in the earth right now, because we're living as in the days of Noah, we are seeing that sin is abounding at an all-time level, and therefore Jesus is coming soon. And therefore, because he's coming soon, and his return is getting closer and closer and closer, there is a pressure that is on the earth that we have never had before. Have you sensed the pressure within the world? I mean, you might be listening to the politicians and getting so indignant, thinking, dear God, how are they spewing that insanity and standing there with a straight face? Right? Or you go to the gas pump and you're thinking, what dummy 
cause these gas prices to be like this. Right? Or, you know, if you remember back, back when the whole COVID thing hit, I can remember that thing, man, it just grabbed on the inside of me and I was so indignant and I'm like, dear God, do we not serve a living God that is faithful to His Word? And why are we so afraid of a stinking little flu bug? I mean, I was just indignant on the inside. And I had people ridicule me saying, how dare you? How dare I what? How dare you just say, let's just believe God? And there were several people that left the church because my stance was, let's believe God. Now, here's my point, because if you sense that friction of what's going on, that friction is nothing more than your righteousness that is rubbing against the unrighteousness within the earth. And because unrighteousness is, is building and building and building, and because the presence of God is coming and His return is soon, the devil is throwing out all the stops to try to do whatever he can to tear down the church before His coming. And so if you've sensed there just is a friction on the inside, it's because there's a friction of righteousness with all the unrighteousness that surrounds you. Now, how many of you know that even with that being said, that's why a lot of things that you'll see within the church is being sifted and shaken because there is some friction of righteousness and unrighteousness in the body of Christ. And sometimes if it gets hot in the kitchen, you just, some people just choose not to stay in the kitchen. Can you say amen? And so again, in regards to this as a pastor, as a pastor, you can get frustrated because you so desire for people to know God and to experience this life of knowing Him. And unfortunately, over the years, one of the things that you, you see is that People are okay to take the step and say, I received Jesus as Savior. But I don't want to make the next step and say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Because there's two different things. Because you can accept Jesus into your heart and say, I believe in God and I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and I've received forgiveness of sin. And I know that I'm going to heaven but how many of you know that there's a lot of those people that you know that have prayed that prayer and are sincere, but live life going through hell? And that was never God's intent. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Well, how do you live the abundant life? By making Jesus Lord. Well, what does that look like? That means I have to surrender my life to Jesus. Now, I, I, it's one of those things where you get a little bit, uh, almost kind of where you talk out of both sides of your mouth, and that is not the intent, because sometimes you'll say, you know, when it comes to serving Jesus, it won't cost you nothing because Jesus paid the price for it all. All you have to do is receive the gift of salvation, and that is 100% true, because Jesus paid it all. But to walk with Jesus and experience the goodness of God, and to fulfill God's plan for your life, it'll cost you everything. Now, when I say it costs you everything, what I mean is, is simply to say, God, here's my life. Do something with it. Amen. 
And I'll dare say that if you're in this room today and you're watching online and you're saying, I'm frustrated on the inside. There's this, I've lived this life and it seems like there's been more and it seems like I've given up. There was dreams that I've had, but God, it just seems like they've never came to pass and I've just never fulfilled the things that were in me. Chances are the frustration that you feel in your life is because you've never given your life to the Lordship of Jesus. I said we're talking about a crisis of the foundations. It's an emergency season now. Amen? And so I want you to experience God's best. Now, now, once again, I've said this before, but how many of you know that when it comes to sacrifice, not sacrificing, surrendering your life to Jesus does not make you a weirdo? People think, oh, dear God, you're going to be a weirdo, one of those Jesus freaks. Listen, I can talk to you, every single one of you, and I can find something that you're a freak about. You know what I mean? When I say freak, meaning there's something that you're passionate about. It could be your grandkids, it could be your hobbies, it could be your little dog, it could be whatever. There's something that you're passionate about. And if I start talking to you or start pushing the right buttons, you'll start talking about that thing that you're passionate about, right? It's just human nature. But we don't go around calling you a freak. You know, if you, there's Dave. He likes guitars. And he likes amps. Now, he is a guitar freak. But, <laughs> but what's my point? He loves guitar. He's a collector. He, he collects amps. He's techie. You get around him, he'll start talking about it. He'll, you go over to his house, he'll start playing. He'll play you every guitar he owns. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. Oh, wait. Let, let me put this one with this amp. It is, I mean, he just loves guitars, right? But it's because it's a passion of his. Well, what if we become passionate about Jesus? Now, when it comes to this culture that we live in, this culture that we live in, People don't know what it means to really live the life as a Christian. Now, let me give you a couple examples just to kind of help draw a parallel so that you can see the connection. When it comes to being a Christian, as I said, there's a new nature that you take on. You actually become a new person. Now, you've got to discover who that new person is, but God did a whole new thing in you when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Now, my uh, youngest daughter, she likes horses. Now, she's not been riding horses for a little while now over the, the winter months, but she loves horses. And there was a place that she was going to for a season, and, and she would go there and work at the stables, she would uh, brush horses, she would uh, get them cleaned up, bring them out, and all this different kind of stuff, and then she would actually do her riding uh, lessons while she was there. And so we would go and we would pick her up after her lessons. Now, if you know anything about horses, if you've been around them, you'll know that there's a smell of horse. And it's not necessarily a bad smell, it's just a horse smell. And then if you know anything about horse manure, there's a certain smell with horse manure. Just like if, have you ever driven down the road and you, you, you go past a cow pasture? There's a smear, yeah, there's a, <laughs> there, there's a certain smell to cow manure, right? And so my daughter, she gets in the car, and as we're driving home, 
I mean, she smells like a horse. I mean, you look at her, and I mean, she's got horse hair on her and whatever else she's got on her. You know, on the bottom of her boots, you know, she's definitely got some of that horse poop, you know. It's just like, wow! It's like, what did you do? Go, like, hug on a horse today? I mean, like, you, you stink. Right? But now, the moment she gets home, what she will do is she will go and take a shower and get cleaned up. And when she comes out of that shower, do you know that she does not look and smell the way she went in? She came out looking clean, smelling clean, feeling clean because where she was and where she had been had gotten the smell and the dirt and the grime of her environment. But she came home and says, I don't want that on me no more. I want to get clean. Right? And after she's taken a shower and gotten a feeling clean, looking clean, smelling clean, she's not going to go jump out into the mud puddle out in the yard saying, well, I'm clean now. Let me go jump in the mud puddle again. Right? But that's what oftentimes happens when we ask Jesus into our heart. He made you all smelling pretty and looking clean and feeling good on the inside. And because we don't know the difference or know how to stay there in that place, we go jump back in a mud puddle. You understand what I'm saying? All right, well, let me give you another example. Maybe this is, maybe this is something that can, can relate to you. I don't know if you like shoes. I, I, I'm a shoes, shoe guy. I like shoes. Had one guy say to me, he says, how many pairs of shoes do you have? I said, I don't know. I just, I just don't throw them away. That's all. <laughs> you know, I've got shoes that are older than my kids, you know. It's like I just hang on to them. But my point is this, is that if you've ever had a new pair of shoes or a new pair of white tennis shoes, how many of you have ever realized that you like to keep them clean? And you try your best to keep them clean as long as you can. I mean, you come home and you're like, you know, you're trying to keep the dirt off of them. You're trying to get them to look good, right? Well, why do you care about the shoes? Because they're new. Because they're clean. And you want them to stay that way as long as they can. But yet, as a believer receiving Christ, we go back to the same mud puddle because we don't know how to stay clean or stay free or live in a place of righteousness with God. Amen. Are you tracking with me? And so again, we're talking about the foundations of what it is to live this life victoriously. Because we are at an emergency level of the foundations or needing to know what the foundations are. If you recall, the Bible says this over in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, and I'm going to read it from the New Living. It says, this means that if anyone belongs to Christ, meaning that you ask Jesus to come into your heart... He has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So there is a distinction between old life and new life. And God says a new life has begun. The old is gone. So when you say Jesus come into my heart, you are righteous. And you'll never be more righteous than the day that you ask Jesus into your heart. But you have to learn what that looks like. Aren't you glad, uh, uh, you know, uh, Colin, he said that uh, the doctors are talking maybe a second surgery on his back or another, I don't know if it's that, another surgery on his back. 
Uh, I've never had Colin say to me, you know, listen, my benefits are a little bit weak, and I don't have a whole lot of money, so pastor, would you mind doing the surgery on my back? He, he would not trust me because I'm not educated or I'm not learned or I don't, I'm not skilled to do back surgery, right? So in other words, somebody that you entrust to have the skills is somebody that has given themselves to learning. Well, if I'm going to be skilled in righteousness or this life of a Christian, I need to begin to learn to see what that looks like. Amen? Well, how does that happen within the church? I'm glad that you asked. Oh, come on, man. I got some good news for you. <laughs> Praise God. How, how many of you have ever been baptized before? Baptized in water? Many or almost all of you. What does that represent? That is not just a religious thing. It's really an outward expression of the inward work that Jesus did in you. You go into the water as the old man. You come out of the water as a new man. And you're saying, I am a child of God, righteous in Him. And the old man is dead in the water. Amen. All right, so know what it says here in Matthew chapter 28. As a Christian, or if I've received Jesus, how do I learn what it looks like to be a believer? How do I know what to expect as a child of God? Have you ever... Uh, have you ever done some dealings before? And in the dealings, you know, there's, there's the surprise, and you're like, um, uh, hello, I didn't expect that. Uh, where did that charge come from? Right? Uh, well, it was in the fine print. Well, see, you got to know what you can expect. Right? Or you get a brand new vehicle, you know, you buy it off the car lot. Well, there's a warranty that comes on it, Right? So if anything goes wrong, you know I can take it back in there. Well, if they say, well, no, you can't get that fixed. Well, wait a minute. I got a warranty. I can expect it. Take care of it. So as a believer, you got to know what to expect. Or what can I expect from God? As, as a husband and wife, you know, not that this is necessarily right, but there's things because of the relationship I've learned to expect certain things from my wife. You know what I mean? And with her, it's only good things. Don't ask her about me. That's I'm saying about her. So like, like you know, for instance, uh, do I ever have to worry about not eating a nice meal? No, because I just expect, not because there's the expectation of obligation. I just know my wife. Man, she takes care of my family. I get up in the morning, there's times, you know, here, here's a coffee. Well, why? Just because of the relationship. So what can we expect with God? Here we go. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Now look at in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. Everybody say, go make disciples. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teaching, everybody say teaching. Teaching these new disciples to obey or follow all the commandments that I've given you. And I'll be, and, and, and be, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Remember, we just said the end of the age is coming. And Jesus said, I'll be with you right up until the end. And then when the end comes, I'll take you on with me. 
But what did Jesus say? He said, go make disciples. How is it that you grow in your relationship with God? Become a disciple. I said, become a disciple. I've been walking with Jesus for almost all my life. I am still a disciple. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still hungry to learn more. And so how is it that God wants us to learn the foundations, the 101s, the basics? He wants us to become a disciple. Now, what does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be a follower of Christ and to be a student. But let me just draw your attention to these disciples that that he was speaking to. These disciples said to Jesus, we have left everything. There is nothing to go back to because you have changed our lives so much that we have followed you and there's nothing else that we want to do. Have you come into a relationship of knowing Him where nothing else matters? All you want is to know Him and know Him more. Because his life, your life has been so radically changed since you've met Him. Have you become a disciple of Him? There obviously was something worth living for. There was something that they saw of value to follow Jesus. So here's my question. Discipleship is something done through relationships. Discipleship is something done through relationships. So I have a couple questions for you. What relationship do you have in your life right now that is causing you to be hungry for God? If you don't have any relationships or people within your life that their walk with God is causing you to be hungry for more of God, then you might have gotten into a place of complacency. Because we all need people that are challenging us and causing us to want to be more or have more of God. Secondly, what relationship models a Christian life in your life? In other words, who is modeling a Christ-like relationship in your life? Because you've got to follow somebody. Remember Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. Who are you following? Who is, it, is your role model? Who are you looking up to that says, golly darn man, I want to know Jesus like you. Right? Number three. What relationship is holding you accountable what relationship is holding you accountable as a disciple meaning they are taking inventory of your life and you've given them permission and say listen I want to grow in God help me and if I need to be corrected speak into my life have you given somebody permission to say, I need you to hold me accountable when I'm stepping and I'm, I'm on the edge and I'm about ready to miss it and I'm ready to make a mistake. I need somebody that will help pull me off the edge. Do you have those people in your life? And as I said, lastly, who is mentoring you in your walk with God in this hour? You see, discipleship is needed and we live in a culture and a time where we're too busy. We're running here and running there. I've got work schedules and I got to do this and I got to do that. Listen, when Jesus comes and your workload is so much so that you'll miss his coming, listen, you might think twice about your work schedule. 
Amen? Or you know what, man, I got to go to the baseball game, and man, we're, just, man, we're so stinking busy, got to go to this game and that game and this game and that game, and the kids are going here and going there. Well, when Jesus comes, I don't want to be at the game, I want to be where Jesus is. Amen? And so, do we have people that will help us grow in our relationship with God? When it comes to our relationships, many times why we don't have relationships with people of value is because we don't want them to see our lives. Let me say that again. Many times the reason why we struggle in having relationships in the body of Christ is because if I let you see my life, you'll really know how I live and who I am. But once again, how many of you know that's necessary? If we're going to be accountable. But once again, oftentimes it's fear from the, from the sake of saying, I don't want to make changes in my life. And therefore, if you'll see my life, you'll really know how I live. Rather than the smile that I have on my face on Sunday morning. Amen? Over the years. Can I just be transparent as a pastor? I mean, we've been pastoring for, uh, I've been in ministry for almost 30 years now. So there, there's a lot of stories, you know what I mean? But there's been lots of times where people in the church, they'll get together and they'll do their things. And we'll find out, man, they got together and they did this and they did that. And it's just like, dear God, how come I wasn't invited? You know, it's like, I love to hang out with people, do life. And then you, oh, <laughs> now I know. Now I know why I wasn't invited. Because if I was invited, then I get to see all the stuff that's going on. You know what I mean? I said you're, a, you're, a, you're, you're, you're to be a disciple and you ought to be discipling others. Come on, you doing okay? Can you give me a couple more minutes? Because I just want to challenge you. Because again, God is calling us to come up higher to say, I want more of Jesus in my life. Now, as I said, I've been pastoring for a lot of years. So there's a lot of stories over the years. And so, this particular story is probably at least a decade old, okay? There was a particular woman that started coming to the church. And as she came to the church, she ended up getting saved. And she started to really grow in her relationship with God. And then because she was excited about coming to church, she started inviting her friends. And her friends started coming to church. Now, these are not necessarily church people. Well, so they start coming to church. They're excited about church. And so we purpose to start discipling. Hey, listen, let's get free. How many of you know that God's not trying to beat you over the head for bad habits? Understand? But how many of you know that bad habits can also keep you from feeling like you have access to God? You can have a guilt complex. And God's not saying, hey, that, that, that right there will keep you from me. No, it's your own guilty conscience that will keep you from drawing to God because you're like, dear God, I know I got stuff in my life, right? And so, this, these particular people were in the church and they were with us for a few years and so there was plenty of time to grow. But then they decided to go away, all these friends that were in the church, they decided to go away for a weekend and when they got back, it was a ginormous mess. I mean, these, these friends were at each other's throats. 
And I mean, they were disowning one another. And this mess was in the church. And I finally said to him, hey, listen, I don't know what went, what went on, but you need to stop it because you're not bringing that mess in the church and stirring up trouble. And I said, what do we got to do to fix this thing? So we sat down and we talked to the different individuals. Well, how it turned out is that in this gathering weekend getaway, well, they were just living like the world. Substance was involved. And obviously when substance gets involved, obviously your, your uh, judgment gets a little bit uh, more uh, challenged. Well, then these women were duking it out. I mean, the one woman punched the other woman in the face. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was just flat out crazy. Well, so then we had to like put them in separate corners and like, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to come to church? Are you going to get yourself put together? Are you going to be big girls and come to church and just, you know. And, and so the one woman that was the one that invited everybody up, that was the one that invited all of her friends to church, she finally got together with my wife and I and said, hey, listen, I, just, I really want to ask you about it. I'm struggling because I feel like I've lost friends and there's all this stuff going on, blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay. I said, I understand all that. I said, but wait a minute. I, I said, let me just ask you a question. I said, in the context of what you all were doing, was it glorifying God? No. I said, so in other words, y'all living like the world, right? Now, again, I'm talking to these people that had been in the church for a while. I said, y'all living like the world, right? Just living like heathens out there, right? Well, yeah. And I said, and who's the one that invited everybody? Well, me. I said, so then who set the platform as to how the whole weekend would go? Well, me. I said, so in other words, the fact that you set the stage for there to be substance that would compromise all these Christian people that are growing in the Lord, the ones that you've invited to church, and the fact now that people are at odds and don't want to be friends anymore, I said, who's going to take responsibility for that? And she crossed her arms and she says, so you're telling me it's my fault? I said, well, it's not all your fault. I said, but you've got to take ownership of it. I said, you're the one that was discipling these other women, and all of a sudden, you're down in the mud with them again. Now, here's what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying or not saying. My point is this. There was an opportunity for them to move forward, but I don't know one of those families that are still walking with Jesus. I don't know any of their kids that are serving Jesus because there was a choice of saying, do I surrender my life and give everything of who I am to Jesus? Or do I allow God to just clean me up on the inside, but I'm still going to wallow around in the mud puddle? Does that make sense? Come on. God wants so much more for us. And what God has to offer, man, you can't take it away. You can't compete with it. Man, there is nothing in the world that can make me feel like Jesus can make me feel. There's no medication that can take away the pain that Jesus came to give and to take. There is no joy that is greater than the Prince of Peace and the one that will give me joy and joy unspeakable and full of His glory. Amen? I'm talking about living a life of knowing Him. 
Now, for the sake of, and I know I'm, I'm just about out of time here. For the sake of what I'm sharing with you, not to sound legalistic of do's and don'ts. Do what you want to. I'm not telling you don't do this, don't do that. I'm just asking you a question. Whatever you do, ask yourself the question, does it honor God? Now, don't get mad at me, and I'm not passing judgment. But if you struggle with smoking, I've never saw anybody that says, you know what, these cigarettes that cost me $10 for a pound, I don't know what they call them nowadays, but these cigarettes that cost me an arm and a leg that are burning up my lungs, shortening my life, I've never had any person that I've ever talked to say, you know what, I just love doing this. Everybody in my family loves me doing this. I love my cologne smell of that smoke, and everybody else loves the way that I smell. And the fact that I'm going to die sooner than later, I'm okay with that. Nobody, right? You understand what I'm saying? Right? Okay. But if you're a person that struggles with nicotine, then here's what you just need to do. Rather than getting into condemnation, because you are righteous before God. Every time you smoke the cigarette, you just say, glory to God. Father, I praise you. I'm going to praise you even as I smoke this cigarette. And you might say, really? Yeah, just keep on praising God. Don't put your attention on the cigarette that's got you hung up. Put your focus and attention on the God that has set you free. And before too long, you say, like, I don't want that thing no more. Amen. I mean, if it's a drink, if it's alcohol, and you're thinking, dear God, this makes me feel good, and this gives me a good weekend, well, then every time that you're just tipping it back, and every time you wake up with a hangover, you just say, well, praise the Lord, glory to God. And before long, you'll find out that, you know what, the substance that God gives you and can give you, the joy and the freedom, is far more than what you can ever imagine in the bottom of a bottle. Amen. Why? Because God has made you righteous. Amen. Stand up with me, if you will. Praise God. God wants you to know Him. I keep wanting to get to a place, but I just I keep getting off on some tangents, so we'll get there, amen? But discipleship, get around people that cause you to be hungry for God, that stir you and make you want to know Him more. I remember when I was a young boy, young teenager rather, and I was doing the kids ministry my pastor at the time said to me he says I'm going away for a pastor's retreat there's about a dozen of us getting together would you like to go I'm like oh praise God yeah I'd love to go and so we're sitting in a circle at this little gathering of pastors we all introduce ourselves and then because we're gonna come and pray together the guy that's heading it up says to says to us he says whatever you have on your heart just share it with it and we'll pray and so as we start to share, every single pastor started to boo-hoo, bawl, and squall about how rough and how hard and how difficult things were. And just, oh, it was just a pitiful-looking thing. This is sad. But then there was this one young guy that was about my age. He said, you know what? He said, I'm having the time of my life with God. 
He said, I am so in love with Jesus, and Jesus is so real to me. He says, in fact, he said, I went to a meeting. I don't know if you might know who Benny Hinn is. He says, I was going to a Benny Hinn meeting down in Ohio. And he says, and we were driving down there, and this was before there was GPS, and, you know, it was just paper uh, uh, maps and stuff. He says, we knew what town it was in, but when we got down there, he said, as we got down there, we just said, okay, Holy Spirit, you tell us where to go. And so because they were so acquainted with the voice of the Holy Spirit, they just began to move and turn, and the Holy Spirit took them right to the place where they were supposed to be. Never looking at a map, just following the GPS of God's voice. And I'm telling you what, that lit me up on the inside. I'm like, man, all these boo-hoo stories of these pastors, and, and there's this one young guy that says, I know the voice of God. I said, I want to know the voice of God that way. And so my father, or my grandfather rather, he went into the hospital. And I'm still a teenager. And I don't know where Hurley Hospital is. I know it's in downtown Flint. So I drive off 475. I got off at the exit. But I'm thinking as soon as I get off, I'm like, dear God, where's the hospital? I don't know where the hospital is. Again, young teenage kid, just didn't know. I remembered there was somebody that followed the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, you know where the hospital is. And so I'm driving, and I'm just listening. Okay, turn here. Turn here. Turn here. And then there's the sign, hospital this way. And I'm like, ha-ha! I know the voice of the Holy Spirit! Yeah! Come on. He is real. He's a friend. He is somebody that you can know personally that will radically change your life. You have not experienced the best yet because God has so much more. If you think you've had success, come on, surrender your life to Jesus and you'll find success. If you think you're happy now, oh, you just wait until the joy of the Lord comes on you. You think you got a good marriage? Come on, give your marriage to Jesus and you'll see that you have a marriage that people will envy. Why? Because God is so good and he wants you to know him in this season because he's coming soon amen come on bow your head and close your eyes father in the name of jesus i thank you father that you're doing a work within this church within these people with those that are watching online i thank you that we are a people that are not backing down that we're not afraid of knowing you that father we will press in and develop a relationship of knowing your voice knowing who you are and come to have an expectation of god you are just that good so we thank you in advance and we expect to see you in these next few hours and days and weeks ahead in jesus name and we all said, Amen. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. We hope that you have found inspiration and encouragement in our discussion today. And we invite you to join us again next week. Let's make 2023 a year of growth and love by sharing the message of our church with others. We encourage you to take the plus one challenge this week and invite someone to join you at our next worship service. You can get more information about our church and say hi to us anytime from our website or social media, all online at gvchurch.tv. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.